think we're good. So uh, whenever you want to take it away, Melissa. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about restaurant and retail technology. The pandemic has changed the way that on and off-premise operators do business and interact with customers. And many of those changes are here to stay uh, long after COVID uh, hopefully eventually subsides. That's true, Kyle. I would say for better or for worse, because not all the, the tech advances are necessarily an improvement for the guest experience, especially in the on-premise sector. But before I start ranting about that, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the, the retail technology that's hot right now? Not, I can barely hold you back on your ranting there. It sounds like you're <laughs> raring and ready to go. Jeez, oh, I'm well, ready. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get some stuff in here before you uh, open the floodgates over there. <laughs> I, you know, one of the most important things with retail alcohol technology right now is the um, evolving way that consumer data is being collected. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the changes, privacy changes to iPhones and some of the other technology right now that's allowing uh, users to more easily opt out of being tracked all the time by apps, websites, et cetera. Um, so it's becoming more difficult to compile the consumer data uh, that's invaluable to so many of these alcohol e-commerce companies. Now, whether or not, you know, that's a good or bad thing, you know, that's up for another debate, how much these apps should be tracking us. You know, it's not really the question here. You know, is it a, a, uh, an abuse of privacy? I don't know. We're not really talking about that. But for better or worse, other people are, again, including Apple. And so they've pulled back on a lot of that. So that's going to change the way that we're collecting data here. Uh, these companies are collecting data. And of course, the users themselves, the consumers are becoming more savvy uh, with protecting their privacy. And at the same time, they're also being bogged down by more apps and websites and all these digital distractions that assault us seemingly 24-7. So I, I do think some people are pulling back a little bit on that and being uh, maybe more selective with what they're using. So then the question becomes, how can these alcohol e-commerce companies still collect data in a meaningful way while cutting through this digital morass? I think a good example of this is 3x3. 3x3 is an alcohol e-commerce company that specializes in data-driven marketing programs for retailers. We've worked with them for ages. We've covered them. They've been speakers at our uh, Beverage Alcohol Retailers Conference, BARC. Make sure you attend next year. Uh, But they're regular speakers there. And when I was speaking with uh, 3x3 recently, they were telling me how they're pivoting away from apps. You know, they were telling me shoppers want information that's useful. They don't want to get slammed with all the spam like I was talking about. They want genuine interactions with alcohol products. Uh, And those are the kind of people that 3x3 is targeting and curating. And they're doing this by not necessarily working as much through apps. They're actually kind of pivoting a little bit away from apps, which I thought was interesting. They're trying to leverage what's native in the phone, in the cell phone. And by this, they mean text messaging, mobile web, e-wallets, et cetera. So as apps are becoming more plentiful and less uh, tracking of data, look for more connections across digital assets elsewhere in the phone. And that's something I'm seeing right now is the kind of next level of alcohol retail evolution. Uh, And now you can uh, assume your rant. Yay. Um, Okay. So... Digital menus, you know, mostly tablet menus, were supposed to be the, the next big thing for years now. 
Um, but they didn't really take off. And the same with QR codes in general, you know, that, that was the talk in, in like retail technology, you know, about 12 years ago or so. Um, but people really didn't use them until like COVID. And, and then, you know, when restaurants reopened after lockdowns, most were using QR code menus as a health precaution. And, you know, certainly there are huge advantages for the restaurants, you know, you're saving on labor, the printing costs, you know, plus the restaurants can now also gather data on the guests, you know, that are using the codes. But a lot of customers just don't like them. You know, some recent technomic data showed that QR code menus were one of the less popular choices in terms of the restaurant um, practices from the pandemic that, you know, they'd like to see continue. And that can really cost the operator in lost sales. Um, BJ's restaurant announced last month in, in October that it's bringing back its physical menus. And they're doing that because they say the physical menus are worth about 70, 70 cents more per average check than the QR versions. Um, you know, some of that is just the tactile experience of a print menu for some guests, but you know, I don't really love QR code menus because you, you experience the menu in a different way on a mobile device. Mm. You know, I mean, you may not know this about me, Kyle, but I'm a really good order orderer. You know, when I go you know, to every a time we go out, I, I always think that I'm like, wow, Melissa, she ordered well. You know, what, <laughs> what good ordering? She's like a savant at this. Well, I will look at the whole menu and find that weird thing hiding that people, you know, miss and that looks and sounds good. And, um, you know, you, you do always manage to order something a little offbeat. I, I have noticed that we will go out for burgers. What, what's that burger place we always go to? And you'll never order a burger once. You know, there'll be 40 burgers on the menu and you'll somehow order like the shepherd's pie. And I'd be like, I didn't even know that was on the menu. Is there a non-burger <laughs> portion I missed? That's so funny. Um, well, yeah, that's a good example. So we went to this place. Uh, this It's a regional burger bar chain. And um, it had QR codes. And I accessed the drink menu. And it was a list of the spring drinks. Mm. You know, and it was, it was fall. I'm looking for fall flavors, you know, something warming, whatever. Um, so I just, I didn't see any, there were only maybe two other drinks on the, on the menu. Um, so I tried to order one of the spring drinks thinking, all right, that's what they have still. And the waiter was just like, uh, I don't know if we can still make that one. And uh, he's <laughs> like, I'll ask. And I said, no, no, just, you know, I'll have this one. And, um, and it, it was a great fall drink and they probably had a bunch of other really good fall drinks, but they just hadn't updated, you know, the menu that the QR code leads to. And that, yeah, that this drives me crazy. Fail. Exactly. This drives me crazy when I'm trying as obviously a, the craft beer nerd that I am when I'm attempting to order whatever's fresh on tap. And the, like you said, the menus just aren't updated. I'll be ordering things. I'll be like, Oh, that kicked yesterday. That kicked last week. And it's like, well, then how come you haven't updated the menus? Because you know, I think a lot of these people aren't maybe familiar with how to use the QR codes. And, and to your other point, too, I can't tell you how many times I've went out for food, you know, during in, in the pandemic and during the hopefully last uh, phase here of the pandemic. And we're using QR codes. And people struggle. It's not easy. It's not always easy to find. They're not sure how to use it. They're not sure where to scroll. They're not sure, like, is it one page? Is it two pages? Do I need to click on this? Do I need to click on that? And like you said, what's updated, what's not? 
I mean, it, it QR code seems like one of those things that's good in idea, but in actual practice is so far, I, I agree with you. It's been kind of rife with errors. Right. And like back to me being a good order, um, you know, on a, on a mobile device, it's kind of, it, it's like you're scrolling through a list. You know, I, I look at the menu like a newspaper and jump around a bit. Whereas, you know, sometimes on a mobile device, it's like you're, shopping on Amazon or something. It's, yeah. it's kind of boring. And I, you know, I'll see that shepherd's pie and go, oh, let me get that. Cause I'm, I'm tired of scrolling with this. So it's, it's just a completely different experience. Um, but also the whole point, the whole advantage of the, the technology is to be able to do those real time updates, you know, to, to change yeah. pricing, you know, based on market price or whatever, especially right now with, you know, the supply chain issues. But especially if you don't have it, you know, it's like, that's the whole point. If you leave it yeah. up there, you show some the customer something you don't have, you've kind of made them do that work of looking for it and like, oh yeah, we don't have that. It's it just, the disappointment seems worse. Maybe it's just me, but. Um, no, I, I'm with you. And you wonder why they can't update it better. It always makes me think of when you go to a craft beer bar or a legal cannabis store, not that we ever go to one of those, um, and they have the menus up on the television screens in real time around the area. So you don't have to wonder, you know, can I get a tap list or what, you know, what, what, what edibles do you currently have in stock? They're all up there on the screen and they're always accurate. Like, I feel like those are accurate. I never have any problem ordering off the menus on the screens around the craft beer bar and cannabis store. Not that I've ever been in a cannabis store. Um, yeah, it's but, work. It's for yeah, work. If, if, it's right. I'm there for research. Um, <laughs> and it just, why, why can't the QR codes be updated as accurately? Is the technology lacking? Is it one of those things where, you know, obviously, as we've said a million times in past podcasts and articles, um, alcohol, retail, alcohol, uh, alcohol technology, e-commerce in general has skyrocketed ahead 10 years in the last two years. So maybe we just moved too fast with this QR code technology. Have, are we still playing catch up? I don't know the answer. Yeah, I think on the restaurants, I think they're just not used to updating their websites or, mm. or think that they have to, you know. They're probably also massively understaffed, of course. I mean, that, like, that's true too. But some of that you'd think could be somehow automated or, or yeah. somebody could handle it. But, you know, I was looking at, oh, a website, a restaurant website around here for a takeout order. And um, it was in early November and they, they had some Super Bowl specials. So either they're real early or real late, but it just didn't inspire a lot of confidence. That's your website, you know, going yeah. to place an order. And it's like, yeah. oh, what else are they, you know, slacking about? You got to have, yeah, I got to have updated content. Please, everybody update your content. Um, yeah. One, one thing I want to talk about, one of the biggest things moving forward here with alcohol retail technology, and by the way, recent beverage dynamics uh, issue, I guess maybe it may or may not be out by the time this podcast launches, but the November, December beverage dynamics magazine issue is all about technology. We have our technology guide, which is all of the latest technology providers that beverage alcohol retailers can consider for everything from e-commerce to analytics, to marketing, uh, to, uh, to uh, digital uh, delivery, um, to all, all everything else in between, listing of uh, at least 50 to 100 companies they you could consider, and also an article on what the future of technology looks like for beverage alcohol retail. So be sure to check out that content in the November-December issue of Beverage Dynamics uh, magazine. And one of the things that uh, uh, article it's touches in cheers on, too, by the way, it'll be in the winter cheers. 
winter cheers as well. So look out for our winter cheers and beverage dynamics uh, issues for uh, the technology guide. That is always a very useful tool. And you know, one of the questions that that guide touches on is um, where exactly does alcohol delivery fall in the three-tier system? You know, uh, again, everybody knows alcohol, e-commerce, and digital delivery blew up during the pandemic because so many consumers stayed home and learned for the first time that they could order alcohol online. Uh, and looking ahead for delivery, again, where, where is it fall in the three-tier system? You know, is Drizzly and companies like that, are they their own tier? Are they the fourth tier? You know, some delivery companies embrace this idea. Others vehemently do not like the term fourth tier. So then are they outside of the three-tier system? Are they working within the three-tier system? All of this is important because these companies continue to grow like gangbusters, yet at the same time, how are we going to regulate and legislate them? You know, I was interviewing for that um, technology guide article, Thirsty CEO, Devaraj Southworth, and he had a, a quote that I liked on this, which is, we believe that commitment to compliance will eventually come to the forefront of alcohol retail technology. Again, he's talking about how these companies are going to be regulated and legislated. He goes on, as e-commerce is a new fourth tier within the alcohol e ecosystem, and you can see right there how he views it, it's quite complex for brands to understand what is compliant and what isn't. That's why Thirsty has put compliance front and center I made it a point to meet directly with state regulators to understand how to build a compliance solution. And that compliance is key. And again, notice there that uh, Devaraj does not mind using fourth tier. Again, that's uh, from company to company that changes. But he's focusing on the issue there of we have to make sure compliance is front and center. Because if not, they're going to get in a lot of trouble. And it's, you know, it, it, it puts the entire industry, beverage, alcohol, delivery industry at risk if compliance is not front and center. And, you know, and at the same time, it's, it's important to remember, these companies are still growing. You know, talking to Drizzly, I interviewed Erin Peterson. She's the chief technology officer at Drizzly. She says, we're still experiencing a swell of BevAlk retailers coming online for the first time. And Drizzly's technology and support teams help minimize what might be a daunting leap to selling online by automating compliance and regulation. Again, there, the automation of regulation and compliance is key. She continues, these include tools that take care of sales tax calculation based on delivery addresses, compliant payment flow of funds, promotions and discounting, and ID verification at the doorstep. These are all going to be key issues moving forward. And I want to touch a little bit on ID verification at the doorstep. You know, I was attending uh, a recent uh, alcohol conference where there was a, uh, a study uh, that looked into ID verification and the amount of times ID was not checked or checked and ignored, uh, it, it was less than half, but it was still maybe like 40%. It was a lot. So that's another thing that we really need to look at here as we continue to integrate delivery, alcohol delivery more into um, the alcohol industry. Yeah, I think the only thing I could add to that is people inside the alcohol industry are probably thinking the last thing we need is another tier. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, in terms of other on-premise technology, I, I know the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. That's a weird name. It sounds like, it reminds me of Lemon Pledge. But um, <laughs> anyway, they're, they're, using, the <laughs> they're using Amazon's cashierless, cashierless technology, um, which I'm hearing is popular. You know, there's no beer lines, you can get a drink in, in seconds. And, you know, that really makes sense at a venue like that, where you just want your drink 
fast as possible with minimal interaction with the person at the counter. Um, but I would think it's different in industries where they're traditionally the, the point is socializing and human interaction, like, you know, a bar or a restaurant, you know, I might want to beer quickly at the Yankees game, but I don't want to go to a bar to be served by a, ro a robot or, you know, to pour my own beer or wine from a dispenser. Um, you know, I could, I could see at a hotel or, or certain, certain venues, but in general, that whole question of convenience versus hospitality is um, an interesting one. And I would think it's kind of the same with alcohol retail, you know, maybe a, a robot or a kiosk would be really helpful in terms of getting in and out quickly, but, you know, maybe you want to talk to that whiskey expert or beer geek or wine guru, you know, when you're looking for recommendations or, or gifts for people. Yeah, this is one reason why I think um, beverage alcohol retail, you know, it, it's, it's not as threatened as perhaps we might suggest because people do always want to go in and talk to somebody. There's something about going in and talking to a wine expert, whiskey expert, beer expert, and getting put on to um, the correct thing that matches with your palate. You know, you see that all the time. I'm obviously in retailers all the time. And just, you know, if somebody comes in and say, I like this whiskey, I'd like to buy something maybe a step up, you know, well, it's like, oh, I can identify that you like, you know, rich and spicy bourbons. Well, here's a, uh, you know, a premiumized version of that versus here's something that's not on that profile at all. Yeah, you know, that, that's on a, perhaps a personal level where I think alcohol retail is threatened is, is just by how much e-commerce is growing, period. And just the, the rate of how much it's growing, you know, I'm, again, while I'm, I'm not suggesting that, um, the personalized um, interactions are ever going away. It's critical that alcohol retailers do embrace retail technology. I, you know, I, I have a quote here um, from Eli Y. Katz. He's the president and CEO of the POS company, National Retail Solutions. I'm sure many of our retail listeners are familiar with NRS. They are one of the leaders in the category. And he says here, I don't think, I th excuse me, he says, I think the most important thing is that many liquor stores don't realize how much they're under attack. In the past, liquor stores were threatened by brick and mortar businesses like Costco and Walmart. Now, delivery and online sources are working hard to prevent people from going into stores in the first place. Uh, that's why it's so important for liquor stores to get the right technology and start pivoting. Now, he's not saying pivot away from brick and mortar. He's saying pivot into technology to better serve the customer that's coming in. You know, because let's not forget here, GoPuff just bought Liquor Barn. You know, let's not forget that distilleries, wineries, and breweries across the country are fighting for their abilities to uh, ship directly to consumers. You know, let's not forget that Amazon looms at all times, even if their own forays into alcohol DTC have thus far you know, largely failed. The digital alcohol landscape is shifting fast. Either you evolve with it or you could get left behind. People are always going to want to come in and talk to your staff. The problem is, you know, how many people are going to get sight? You know, are they going to come in, talk to your staff and then leave and buy off of Amazon? You know, how many, how much business is going to shift as business shifts online? How much is that going to shift away from your store, regardless of interaction? It's, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind as we move forward here. Yeah. I mean, one of the last things I wanted to bring up, it's maybe not totally related to tech, but um, it's a difference between retail and restaurants right now that, it's sanitation. You know, when restaurants started opening back up after the lockdowns, you couldn't be too clean. You know, customers wanted to see your efforts and and evidence that 
you know, it, it was sanitized. So, you know, you wanted to have hand sanitizer stations everywhere, visible air purifiers, you know, anything, you know, that showed that it was hospital like clean. But, you know, now I'm reading that, that people are saying, you know, maybe don't put that in the customer's face, you know, don't remind them constantly of the deadly pandemic when they're out trying to socialize, you know, it's, it's quite literally a buzzkill. You know, even the QR code menus can serve as a reminder that things are not normal. You know, don't order too much, don't linger. So um, I don't think that's the same in retail. You know, I, I would maybe feel even better seeing all the cleaning protocols and, you know, shop a little longer. It's safe. You know, what what's your take on that? That's an interesting point. I, I think retail is kind of doing the same thing. We're seeing less of the, uh, you know, the floor patterns. You have to walk through the aisles this way, um, you know. Uh, we live in Connecticut where we, uh, the masks are, are um, not mandated uh, statewide, at least not yet. Who knows how this winter will come. So I do see more people shopping without masks or with masks. You know, I, I see that the, um, uh, the hand sanitizer stations are still out, uh, but I feel like they're being used less. Everybody has their own hand sanitizer by now. So that's a very interesting point is, are we dissuading people from feeling comfortable or are we making them still feel comfortable you know, all you got to do is look to Europe and see that the lockdowns are going back into effect as we hit this uh, fourth wave here. But I just don't know whether or not America has the appetite for another lockdown. I don't even know if America has the appetite to continue thinking about the pandemic. We, you know, we're always a country that's go, go, go and looking ahead. It, it kind of almost does feel like, like you said, people have looked beyond the pandemic and have just kind of accepted their own levels of risk at this point. So I do wonder at what point do we stop reminding people of the pandemic and more encouraging people to feel, you know, like we're getting on the other side of it, whether or not that may be true. That'll certainly be something that's uh, very much worth looking at as we continue forward here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it will be very interesting next six months or so. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you all for listening to on and off. And join us next time when we'll be talking about yet another fascinating topic that spans the retail and restaurant worlds. Until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>